0: This week, we celebrated a very special day of Be'i's Shvat, the Yerzeit of Rebetzin Chaimushka. And the Rebbe, after she passed away, for a long time after, the Rebbe kept on repeating the words, B'hachai yi What does that mean? When a person passes away, he's done with all the titan and the mitzvahs that they can do. It's like when you go to a marketplace. As long as you're at the marketplace, you can sell, you can buy. But once the marketplace closes down, or once you leave, it's over. Hashem puts every neshama on this world to live here for a certain amount of time. To accomplish certain things, a And the person gets to live here that long. Exactly how long Hashem wants. And Hashem, it's like Hashem turns a clock for the person, sets up the clock. And for each person, Hashem has a certain plan. How long he's supposed to live. During which... It's like on the marketplace, you're able to collect all the treasures. You're able to get what you need, do what you need, accomplish. And once the time is up, not a minute earlier or a minute shorter, (coughs) the person goes back to Hashem. Until Tchir HaSameisim. Moshiach comes and there's Tchir HaSameisim, and we come back to this world. So Rebbe Zechai completed her shlichos on Chav Be'Shvat, Tav Emches, 32 years ago. And that's why the Rebbe says, "Va'hachai, yitena We should take to heart those who are living that we're still at the marketplace. And we still have a chance to chapanayin and to many good things learn Torah, do mitzvahs, there are no mitzvahs to be done upstairs. In Shemayim, there's no mitzvahs to be done. There's no mitzvahs at all. The tariag mitzvahs are only here. And Hashem doesn't do anything that's a waste. Whatever Hashem does has a purpose. So as long as we are here, Hashem gives us a body. Because without our body, we can't do the mitzvahs. Without eyes, you cannot read the taida, you can't daven. Without ears, you can't listen to the teaching of taida or kriyasa taida. Without hands, you can't give tzedakah. Without feet, you can't go to shul. We need all the parts of our body (coughs) in order to fulfill the mitzvah. Hashem gave us all of these tools. But once the person goes back up to Shemayim, over there he doesn't need these tools, so Hashem temporarily takes it away, and that's when the person's neshama leaves the body, and the body stays put until Mashiach comes, till Tchiraz (laughs) HaMesem. So Rebbe Tzachayimushka who passed away 32 years ago, there are many things we can learn learn from her, and that's why the Rebbe saying, let's take to heart, we could still do things that right now she's not able to do. Because we are in this world of all the mitzvahs. And we shall learn lessons from her Avasi Srail. And Anchav Beishvat, I'm sure you have heard tons of stories about her, how we sa- she saved the family from being thrown out of the house. Many, many things that she did, and how concerned she was. One of the things that I was told about Drevits and Khayimushka was. She was extremely sensitive to people's feelings, extremely sensitive. If, let's say, guests were going to come to visit her, she would make a phone call a day or two before to find out somehow what kind of food or refreshments that this guest like. Oh, pineapple? Okay, I'm going to get pineapple. Grapes? I'll get. Gra- oh, ice cream. I'll get ice cream. She always made sure to have on the table exactly the thing the person liked. She didn't say, "Huh, ah, it's enough that he's coming to my house. I'm giving them a big schuz to come to, to our house. You know, the Reb and the rebbitson's house. Whatever I'll serve will be good. And it's true, whatever she'll serve will be good. But she was so sensitive to people's feelings. She wanted to go out of her way to do the best. A friend of mine, his name is Noach Holtzman, told me a story that happened with him and the Rebbetzin. His family was very close with the Rebbetzin for many years. So whenever they came from Europe, they used to live in Europe, and then later they came here. When they lived in Europe and they came to New York, they used to visit the (coughs) Rebbetzin. the Rebison would always prepare refreshments that's just good for little kinderlach because he was yet a young kid then it was a family of a lot of kids one time they were sitting at the table and it was summertime and it was a very hot day so what do you think Rebison put on the table ice cream yeah probably different stuff one of the things was ice cream and as they were sitting and the Rebison was talking to his mother Rebison noticed that Noyach, who was like seven years old maybe, was not touching the ice cream. So she says, ah, oh, let me give you ice cream. So he said, no, never mind. I can take myself, you know, I could take myself. did not want to bother her. She says, no, it's better than I give you. You know why? Because if you take yourself, you will not take enough. This is something that he told me, which which shows us something. She understood... That as a young child, he's just going to take a little bit. He was too shy to take to begin with. And even if it takes, he might take one spoon or something. But he really wants more. She was sensitive to his feelings. It's something we should learn. Being sensitive to people's feelings. Sometimes at a game, making teams, or, or just meeting someone. Sometimes we can want to say something. and might hurt the person's feelings. To respect how a person feels and try to understand how the other person. Why you, you couldn't you couldn't hit that ball? Come on, what's with you? You're so clumsy. How does the person gonna feel then? How is the person going to feel? To be sensitive to the person's feelings. That's one of the many good meetings we can learn from her. Now let's go to story time. Last week, we told the story about Yeshua ben Yamin, the Chassid of the Rebbe Rashab, who was very, very poor. He had no money, and he used to do little jobs here and there, and for a few weeks he had no jobs, so he had no money at all. And the grocer didn't want to give him any more food. The parts wants to throw him out of the house <coughs> for not paying rent. <coughs> and the Yeshiva wants to send home the kids because they didn't pay tuition and they even had a fire and some of their furniture burnt we'll it came time one day on a Friday he found a wallet packed with 300 rubles checks, property doc- documents and he returned it to the owner Pinchas Leib. And when Pinchas slave offered him the 300 rubles, which he really, really needed, he refused to take it. He says, because I don't want to sell the mitzvah for any money. I did a mitzvah of HaShav Hashem gave me a chance to do such a mitzvah. I'm keeping the mitzvah. I don't want any money for it. And this is where we're up to in the story where he finally decided to make a trip to Lubavitch and visit the Rebbe. And get a bracha. When he came face to face to Rebbe Hashab, he told the Rebbe Hashab, listen what's happening. I have a problem with money right now. I have no money, I have no job. And the pirates want to throw us out of the house. There is no money for food. They don't want to give us any more food. And the yeshivas are going to send home the kids. They never thought for a while. And then said, you know what, Yeshua Binyamin? Could you tell me a little bit more of what's going on in your town? I want to hear more details of what's going on. Yeshua Binyamin was surprised. Why did the Rebbe once know exactly what's going on? But the Rebbe asked. He right away told the Rebbe that we had a big fire. It ruined many houses. The little furniture that I had got burnt. And what else? What? Else? Oh, yeah, also I, I found Pinchas Leib's wallet. And I returned it to him. He told him all about the wallet. <clears throat> and the Rebbe Rashaab said to him, I want you to know Yeshua Binyamin. The mitzvah of Hashavah is a very great mitzvah. But what's even more important than that, the fact that you don't want to get paid for doing that mitzvah. You didn't want to take any money for it. And in that schos, Hashem is going to give you ten times as much. He didn't want to take 300. How much is ten times as much? 30,000. 30, 30. 3,000. 3,000. Well, as he was... (coughs) The Rebbe Rashab then opened up his drawer and took out a coin and gave it to him. He says, take this, and it should be for bracha v'hatzlacha. As he was about to leave, the Rebbe Rashab said to him, And if anyone comes to you to offer you a job to be a chazan, you should accept it. He didn't ask the Rebbe Roshab. He wasn't planning on being a chazan. In fact, this was very surprising to him why the Rebbe Roshab is saying to him. But he marked it down in his mind that this is what the Rebbe Roshab said. He came home and told his children the good news that we're going to be saved, we're going to be helped. The Rebbe gave a bracha, and let's be besimcha. A few days later, a wagon pulls up in front of his house, and two Rashi Kihila, leaders of a Yiddish community, that came from like 30 miles away, and said, Yeshu Ben Yamin, we want to ask you for a favor. <clears throat> The chazin, who always davens for us, Reish Shanim Kippur, notified us that he can't come this year. And we heard that you have a very pleasant and sweet voice. Can you please be our chazin? Well, naturally, Yeshua B'nyamu would say no, because he never was a chazin, especially for Reish Hashanim Kippur. But he remembered that the Rebbe told him that in case they offer you to be a chazin, you should accept it. He said right away, yes. Even before hearing the price that they're gonna pay him. Because they ever said so. Doesn't matter the price. And then they told him how much they're gonna pay, he was happy. And he says, will be for As they were leaving, they took out ten ruble. And he said, we're gonna give you a deposit right now. That's part of the payment. Even before you do the job. And that would surely help him. He came for the he davened for them, all the tefillis, and they were so impressed, they were so happy with him, that after the not only did they give him a big Yashakayach, they even told him, we're adding another 10 rubles to the price that we told you we're gonna give you. He stayed there also for Yom Kippur. And after Yom Kippur, they paid him, they thanked him again very much. And the Reish Hakal, the leader of that community, took him home to break his fast. After he ate something, <coughs> <coughs> he gave Yeshua Binyamin Yamin money to get home. He says, really, I would call a wagon for you. But the wagon drivers are all busy now because tomorrow there's a market day, so they're already taken. But here's money, and you could go find yourself maybe someone who will take you. Shua Binyamin wasn't a lazy person. So he left, and he started to ask around. Some person, somebody pointed out that there, there is a house where there lives an old Goyesha wagon driver. He used to drive people from city to city, from place to place. Now he's very, very old. You can ask him, even though he probably is retired, go in and ask. Maybe you'll get a ride. You'll give him some money, he'll do it for you. So he went to the house. When he got close to the house, a big, big black dog starts barking with such threatening barks, it was like frightening. But a yid is not afraid of a dog. Yid is afraid of Hashem. So he took the courage, walked straight into the house. At that point, the door got quiet. And he's looking around the house. There's no one here. It's empty. Absolutely empty. But then he hears out of one room, he hears some noises. Someone's in there. So he opened up the door. And who was it? The old guy, the guy's wagon driver. He looked like he probably is like 100 years old. He was laying in bed and his eyes closed. And the wagon driver, the guy, thought that his servant just walked in. He had a servant, a faithful servant that served him for many, many years. And the guy calls out without even opening his eyes. And he says in a soft voice, <clears throat> "Vladik, come here. Vladik, come here. I want to make sure that the Galach is coming to the house. Is he coming today?" Yeshua Binyamin figured, probably he wants the Galach to come because he feels like he's going to pass away. He's going to die. He wants the Galach to be there. So Yeshua Binyamin. Said, yeah, in an hour, in an hour he's coming. And he was about to leave. Vladik, come back. I'm going to say th- something to you. And he tells Yeshua bin Yamin, thinking that it's Vladik, he says, You know, all my life I worked very hard. I didn't save up any money because I spent all my money on drinking vodka. But whatever I do have left my house, my belongings, I have no children. So I'm going to leave it all to you. You're like my child. Not only that, I have a hidden treasure in the backyard. Even though I never collected money, I never saved up money. But one time I made a lot of money and I hid it away. And that was many years ago. I was taking a, Jew, a rich Jewish man from one city to the next, and he fell asleep. And I snuck out of his pocket his wallet, and I hid it under a big rock in the yard. You can have that too. Go take it. Sure Yorman right away thought, "Aha, Yiddish money." I have another chance of Hashavas Aveda. He went straight to the yard, pushed away the big, big heavy rock, and finds the wallet there. Now he knows that Vladik is going to come back any moment. So he sped away. He ran as fast as he can so Vladik doesn't catch him. And he came to town. When he got into town, He tried to get a wagon driver to take him. At first he didn't want, but later he agreed because he gave him extra money. He said, I'll give you more money. And he brought him home. When he came home, everyone at home was worried about him. Tati, what took you so long to get back? He said, it took time till I found the ride and I had to go to this guy. Oh, and by the way, let me open up my bag. I put a wallet in there. I didn't even look how much money is in there. And he opened it up and poured it out on the table. Loads and loads of ruble. When they counted it up, they saw how much ruble do you think was in there? 3,000 yeah. Three ruble. Exactly. But he couldn't do a Shavasaveda. HaVeda. was no name, no address, no email address, no WhatsApp number, nothing. It was no simon at all. There was no way for him to find out, and he checked with the rav, and the rav says you can keep it. So he saw the rebbe's bracha was completely fulfilled. I got me talking.